Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So, um, so we're, we've began last week a series on spiritual warfare. Um, who's excited about becoming a better warrior? And you know you need to be a better warrior. <laughs> Y'all have things going on. I know this was a week for me. And, uh, and I'm hearing some of your stories. There's warfare, right? And why is there warfare? Because God loves you so much and he has such good plans over you that the enemy has a very real reason to come against you. <laughs> is that right? But he can't. He's not going to win, okay? We know that he's not going to win. In fact, um, feel this. I should say this. You understand anytime we talk about warfare or anytime we talk about the enemy, you know that you already proceed from the victory of Jesus, right? We're not actually in a battle where we're wondering about the outcome or we're trying to, to get a victory. What are we doing in warfare? We are trying to express the truth of a victory that already is. We're trying to live the expression of something that's already true. He already defeated death and sin. He already redeemed you, right? God sees you finished. Is that encouraging? He sees you finished. When he looks at you, he doesn't see anything wrong with you. Even though you're in a process, even though he's growing you, when he looks at you, his love for you, he sees you perfect. He's already finished the work. I'm married to a mighty warrior. <laughs> it's true, much more so than me. She has a gift of faith. And in fact, um, what she has, one of her gifts, she has a gift of sleep. <laughs> true thing. If you've never heard her um, tell the story or the testimony of God giving her the gift of sleep, you should ever tell you sometime. It's a very serious, very powerful amazing story and I know for like me when I'm in warfare I often do a lot of my warfare like through the middle of the night right and I know that's that's my problem God's not asking me to do that that's just how I struggle to live out the expression of what's true <laughs> and in the morning you know I'll see Sandra come down and I'll be like did you have nice sleep honey that's good <laughs> you look nice and rested <laughs> But you know, you know when you're in the presence of somebody who has warfare down, don't you? I'm still trying to get there, but you probably know people that, that they've got this. They, they've, they've learned how to be a warrior, and you can just see their calmness. They're like, hmm, someday I'm going to be like that. No matter what the circumstances are, I'm going to have this faith in God. Um, he's growing me. I get better every day, every year. Um, but, so last week we pointed out, we looked at um, 1 Corinthians 15.50, and in fact, I just want to look at that again. Here in this scripture, it points out that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, right? Nor does corruption inherit incorruption, okay? In other words, our warfare um, is, is not in the physical, now, I didn't just say that the enemy's not interested in attacking, in bringing his warfare into your physical. He will, but it's not for the sake of that. It's a spiritual war, um, and we see that that's where the warfare is. Uh, let's look again to it, Ephesians 6, uh, 
12. Let's start in 12. And it says the same thing. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay? So it's not a carnal battle. It's not flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we're talking about a spiritual battle. We fight in the spirit so that we are a people who manifest the truth of a victory in the physical. Is that right? Okay. This week we're going we're gonna to take it um, a step further. I believe the Lord wants to make this very practical for us. He wants you to actually know as his king, as his priest, as his prophet, as his warrior in this place, how do you actually engage and in fact win this battle? Okay, we don't ignore it. We don't pretend like it's not there. It's there. And so I, that, a little bit, that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to say this one thing, and I'm probably going to say this every week because if I don't, we will tend to go off in error in terms of you understand um, even as we study this, we're not going to focus on like the power of the enemy. We're not going to get overly focused on the enemy, right? Because all of a sudden we can have a really big enemy and a small God. <laughs> and that's the opposite. That's not what we're going to do, right? We're just going to give you the skills to battle. Do you want that? Okay. All right. Go with me to Second Corinthians um, Chapter 10, and we'll start right in verse 1. And actually, I'm just going to put this out there because I think this is a good intro while you're turning there. Um, how many of you have lost sleep over something? Okay, now keep your hand up if you lost sleep over anticipation of something wonderful that's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, good, some hands stayed up. I've done that before too, like when vacation is tomorrow or something like that. But most of the time, um, that's not the reason we lose sleep, right? And why is that? Do you realize it's, we're going to talk about the battle of the thought life beginning in this scripture you just turned to. And you understand, we, we sang that song, you are body, soul, and spirit, right? That was God's good idea. You are body, soul, and spirit all wrapped up in one. And from, from the inner court to the holy of holies, in other words, from the soul to the spirit, because you are the temple of God, right? Um, in those places, um, warfare ensues, and it's, it's always to try and poison, right? To try and um, do something against your faith so that the words of God are stolen. Okay, I just wanted to put that out there. Now, let's look at the scripture. Here in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you that when I'm present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some, who think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. Now you could do a whole study on all of those wordy sentences. Paul's, Paul's writes kind of like I do. He's very wordy. <laughs> I want you to focus on, he's saying, we're not walking according to the flesh. Okay, that fits everything we're saying about warfare, right? 
Okay, he goes on, verse 3, and he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, and he says, now listen, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. How many of you were here several months ago when we did the stronghold sermons? Okay, that's good. That's good. That will help you. It goes on, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down high things. Now, we're going to teach on that. That's really powerful. I know we're teaching on that coming up. We're not today. Here's why we're reading this. Next, it says, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is full. Now, listen, let's break this down a minute. I think we tend to read that, and what we hear is bring everything captive to Christ. And that would be good, right? But just notice what it actually says is that you bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, listen, what's obedience? Obedience is action, right? Obedience is the way you live something out. In other words, you think it so strongly, you believe it, in such truth and such genuineness that it results in what you do. It results in what you say to people. Obedience, right? To the obedience of Christ. Obedience is an action word. In fact, a lot throughout the scriptures, I'm sure some of you have seen this, obedience is literally set up as like an equals equation to faith. Faith equals obedience. Throughout the scriptures, you see it in Hebrews 11, if you want to go study that, and as well as all kinds of other places. Um, but here's what I want to show you. You know, that, you know that every thought you have is not your own? We're going to look at this. Did you know that? We live in a scientific, a secular scientific world where the idea is every thought you have is your own. And so therefore... Um, if you have aberrant thoughts or strange thoughts or something, then, um, then you have illness or whatever. In fact, for a Christian, if you just watch the news for 10 minutes, you'll find out that the world thinks that if you have faith-filled thoughts, if you have thoughts that hope in God and believe on Him, you have an illness. <laughs> um. But every thought you have is not your own. Now, what I'm going to show you in the scriptures this morning, and just in case you're sitting there thinking, boy, I don't know how I feel about what you're saying. You understand God speaks to you, right? He does it in many ways. He does it, he, there's not just one way that he speaks to you, but one way is in your soul, in your thought life, right? In that intersection, the stairway that goes from the inner court to the holy place, God speaks to you. That's, uh, I would tell you that when you're reading in scriptures, that's the heart. When you read scriptures about the heart, it's the intersection between soul and spirit, that place where, where God meets. And so um, you wouldn't take credit for those thoughts, right? You'd never take credit for the amazing thoughts, the, the, the voice of God as he speaks to you in that place, would you? Then why do we take credit for the enemy's voice? that comes in. See, we're going to look at that. There's a warfare right there in that most critical spot. The difference between death and life, bondage and freedom, happens in the warfare of the voice that speaks in the soul.
You see, he is, um, we're going to get into some more scriptures here, really powerful stuff. But he is ever waiting for a people that just agree with him. You know how powerful it is just to agree with God. In fact, do you see it? I have to do this. You see it illustrated in this passage that we just read. Did you catch that last sentence? It says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, I know what you did. You heard the words punish all disobedience and your mind got stuck right there and ran with it. (laughs) Right? The punishing of disobedience is when your obedience is fulfilled. That's good news, right? It's only after obedience is fulfilled in you that disobedience is punished. That's the love of God over you. But see, warfare, wounds and lies and bondage and things that happen to us, they they cloud our mind such that a warfare is going on in the thought life, making it very hard to agree with God. Oftentimes, he wants to grow us into someone that can powerfully just agree with him. And it's amazing what he can do when you agree with God. Okay, go with me to Colossians 3 and um, write in verse 1. Here it says, okay, so actually it's in nine, but okay, in verse one, um, I'm going to set this up so you can see some context, what we're talking about here. It starts and says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Who else is sitting at the right hand of God? You are, right. You are seated with Christ. Christ in the heavenly places. So where are the enemies? Under your feet, because they're under Jesus' feet and you're sitting with him. Good. Oh, you guys got this. You guys are so good. Okay, then verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, I'm just introducing where we're going, okay? But you see that it is establishing that the warfare is a warfare in the life of thoughts, okay? Further down, skip down with me to Colossians 3 and verse 9, okay? This is a continuation of the same discussion, and it's going to begin to put a fine point. I actually think this is, this is like the nucleus of spiritual warfare, If you want to be a warrior, if you want to understand what's going on, here it is. It says, do not lie to one another. Now listen, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Now that's that's kind of, that's command words, okay? The tense there, it's past tense, but it's command words. Put off the old man. What are we talking about? We talked about the new man and the old man last week. And it says, and have put on the new man. Now, we're going to define the new man. Are you ready? The new man is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So powerful. Let's look at this. Okay, what, what, is, what did that just say? Renewed in knowledge. Okay, renewed in knowledge 
according to. That's like agrees with, okay? Agrees with the image of him. Now, I'm going to tell you, implicit in those words in the original language is accurate image of him. Do you know you can have all kinds of images of him? You can have an image of God in your life where um, he is, he's a harsh God. Um, he's watching to make sure you do it right. Anybody lived under that God before? <laughs> you can have a God who bases your worth on how well you're performing. Could have that image for him. <laughs> I love it. As I go through, these different hands go up in different places around the room. <laughs> this just said, set, um, this just said, put on the new man um, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. In other words, in agreement with your maker. <laughs> the knowledge is in agreement with the one who made you. Can we assume that he's the one who's right? Okay, then we might as well agree with our maker. <laughs> That's the new man. The new man is one who lives in a place where you agree with your maker. Goes on and says, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. That's how that ends. Put on the new man. Be somebody who agrees with God. Now, now this is going somewhere. I'm going to tell you there's a couple of things here that God put very powerfully on my heart. Um, I want to tell you two things that you cannot afford in this life. Do you want to know that there's lots of things you can't afford, at least if you're like me. <laughs> um, but there's two things that if you want to be a victorious warrior in the battle with God, okay, there are two things that you can't afford. Are you ready for the first one? You cannot afford to think anything about yourself or your life that he doesn't think. And say that again. You cannot afford to think anything about yourself or your life that he doesn't think over you. Now, here's where it gets complicated and the, or tricky. Let me say tricky. It's not complicated at all. And it was right here in our verse. The second thing you can't afford is to have an image of God that validates thoughts that you have that are not what he thinks. Does that make sense? We were just talking about that. You can have images of God that far too easily validate thoughts that are nothing he could ever think about you or your plans for your future or what he's going to powerfully accomplish on your behalf. You can't afford either one of those two things. And, and I'm going to tell you that we just put a fine point on the warfare. If you have an image of God as a judging God rather than the God that remembers your sin no more, has separated it so far away from you he remembers it no more, then you have an image of God that the enemy can use to validate thoughts that are not possibly what God could ever think about you. If you have a disapproving God, or actually let me back that down a little. If you just simply have a God who is ever kind of watching you for you to win his approval. 
Now, I know you have human relationships like that. But let me tell you something. If that is your image of God, you have an image that will validate the voice of the enemy, the thoughts of the enemy in your inner life. Those thoughts will be validated all day long. And you will be slaving to gain approval for a God that already says you're my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In the original language, that means completely approved of. That's it. It's done. You're completely approved of. But if you have that false image of God, the enemy will speak lies all day long about how you're not making it into God's approval. You see, now we're talking about the warfare. It's thought life. Do you know that the moment God gave Adam and Eve dominion in the garden, that's it, that was done? You get that, right? Dominion is in the hands of man. So why do we say, and I think last week I said several times, the enemy can only have what we give him? The enemy can only impact where we let him have it? Why? Because God gave man dominion. So what's the only thing the enemy can do? You know what it is? He can influence you so that you don't wield your dominion rightly. Do you, do you know that? He can poison your faith or he can poison the understanding of the image of your good and loving father or he can poison the image you have of yourself so that you are not a dominion holder reigning with Christ like the scriptures say, wielding what's good and holy for the purposes of God. The only thing the enemy can do is poison, it influence you as a holder of dominion. That's it. Go with me to, um, let's look at Jesus. I like him so much. Let's look at uh, John chapter 18 and verse 33. We'll start. So um, this is Jesus' beginning to go on trial. He's um, days away from being executed um, for, for your sin. And here in 33, it says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? He's asking him straight out, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him. So you understand it's an identity question, right? This trial is about identity. Jesus answers and says, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? See, every thought you have is not your own. <laughs> and, now, and I should clarify here before we even read on. You understand that the enemy is perfectly willing to use people around you, the, to use their voice, to use their actions, to use their rolled eyes, or whatever people do around you. He's, the enemy is willing to use that stuff as part of the voice in the spiritual warfare to come and attack against you, Right? You understand he also speaks directly. That's what I was talking about a minute ago. There are, there are, at the place where our soul meets spirit, okay, the scripture is very clear that you are spirit, soul, and body, okay? And, and every thought that you have is not your own. More often than not, attack will come at you in that way. 
We're, we're going we're gonna to talk, I'm going to show you that later, and we're, we're going to make that very, very clear. We're going to become warriors where that's not going to work anymore, for, not for you guys. Okay, but see, this is, a, this is an identity trial. And he says, are you speaking for yourself, or did others tell you that? Now, Pilate answers and says, am I a Jew? <laughs> Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? That's what he says to Jesus. Now, Jesus is the kind of guy, like, he's the kind of guy that he's comfortable wearing a pink shirt or whatever. He's very secure. And so he's very, in other words, I'm saying he's very secure about his identity, okay? And so he answers in 36 and says, um, my kingdom is not of this world. What does he start to do? He talks about his kingdom, right? And he says, um, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Now, Jesus knows that he's having a conversation that has spiritual warfare in it, but he doesn't begin to battle at the level of the flesh, does he? He goes instantly. He's wise enough, and this is what you're going to do. Starting today and every day for the rest of your life, you are going to start being warriors that are wise enough to start where the real battle's happening. Your eyes are going to say, oh, man, look at what's going on here, but you're going to be one who looks and says, no, I battle in the spirit. Our, our war is not against flesh and blood. Our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty for pulling down strongholds of thought. Well, I battle in the spirit so that I manifest truth in the physical. Physical, okay as soon as we become a people that are wise enough to trust the spirit to understand that the battle that goes on the physical that distracts you continually is not where the battle is waged the minute we do that we start to become victors I mean instantly you start to become victors okay I'll come down that's um <laughs> Um, it goes on, and Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Did you see what he did? He started and he said to Jesus, he said, um, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus starts talking about, he might as well be talking about aliens or something with Pilate. He's going, my kingdom is not of this world. And doing this talk, so then Pilate goes, all right, so it's not of this world. You're not the king of the Jews. Are you, are you a king then? <laughs> That's what just happened there. And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Now listen, this next part, this is the whole reason we read this part. He says, Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Are you of the truth? Okay, then, um, then that just told you that you hear his voice. I'm going to say that again. You hear his voice. I, I lose count of the number of times, I mean, even in just one week sometimes where I have conversations with people and, and the, the conversations are the same. It's like, um, boy, I struggle to hear the voice of God. Boy, I struggle to know if that's God talking to me. Or someone declares, he doesn't talk to me. I, I hear that all the time. So um, that was Jesus speaking, and he just said, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Church, can we just agree with Jesus on that one? <laughs> can we just agree 
that you hear his voice. Now, I understand you might be sitting there going, well, yeah, but I mean, it doesn't feel like I do. So what am I supposed to do with that? Why don't you start by just agreeing with him? <laughs> okay, I have a feeling if you just powerfully agree with him that you hear his voice, that you'll actually start getting a handle. On, you'll actually begin to develop a relationship where you recognize it. You know that you can't sit there and hold the belief that he doesn't love you or that he's not engaging you in relationship. Would anybody say right now, raise your hand, he's not engaging me in relationship? Okay, then he is. He loves you like that. He's crazy about you. He is talking to you. Can we just agree with him that you hear his voice? Okay, we're going to have a radically different church for now on. We have a whole bunch of people that are in great faith that you hear the voice of Jesus, your king. <laughs> That's different. <clears throat> okay, go to John 5 and um, let me see which verse I want to start in here. Okay, let's just, let's start right in verse 31. Jesus speaking. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. That's John. He's talking about John, okay? In a minute, he's going to talk about his father bearing witness right now. He's talking about John. And he says, you have sent to John, and he has borne witness of the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man. Can, can we just um, all agree that, that that's a good character quality <laughs> that Jesus is exemplifying? What happens when you need your testimony from man? Say that again. Fear of man will shut down the spirit instantaneously every time. I didn't even think of it from that perspective. Come up here and preach for us, would you? <laughs> yeah, that's what will happen. Fear of man will come in. You'll get pummeled every time. It'll work out for a while. I mean, you'll, you'll have enthusiastic supporters and, and cheerleaders on the side today, and then tomorrow they're not, they're not even for you. They forgot they knew you. But not Jesus, okay? He's with you. He goes on and says, But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. Now listen, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do bear witness of me. That the Father has sent me, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. In other words, what? The same thing with you, okay? Now listen to me. The Father speaks words over you. If the enemy wants to poison and or weaken or destroy the plans God has over you, to use his warfare to poison your dominion so that you're not fruitful, what would he have to do? He would, this just, he would have to begin to attack the words of the Father over you, Right? The Father speaks words. What makes things true in your life? God speaks it over you. That's what makes it true. And thank God he's a good father, right? He, a good father who's crazy in love with you, and so he speaks words over you, and that makes it true. 
I believe ne- come next week because we're going to talk about um, prophecy. You, every single one of you, is called in a pro- to be a prophet in the kingdom of God. Did you know that? We're going to talk about that next week. So come. The words of God are so very important. And that is what the enemy comes against. The words of the Father over you. Now, we're going to look at that in just a minute. But here's why we're reading this. Now, it goes and says, he's speaking to people who are rejecting him, okay? And he says, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. What keeps them from hearing his voice or seeing his form? Unbelief. Good. And he goes on and says, now listen to this. He says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. What did you just hear? (sighs) They search the scriptures because they think in the scriptures there's eternal life in here. Um, I'm going to tell you something, especially even in our post-scientific culture here in America, especially, we're starting to do the same thing. We're starting to worship this. But what Jesus just said is, he's saying, these testify of him. These words lead you to my voice. These words lead you to my voice. And we just read it a minute ago. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. That's the little voice in your head that you agree with, right? Right? In the warfare. You agree with that one. <laughs> he says, but you're not willing to come to me, he says next, that you may have that life. Is that what it says? That you may have life. You're not willing to come to me. You stand out on, let's see, is Solomon's porch next? The scribes and Pharisees stand and rub elbows and discuss the scriptures. Well, Jesus stands in front of them and he says, you're not willing to come to me. And the scriptures that you talk about only ever lead you to me, <laughs> to my voice, to, to a real voice, a real relationship. Okay. Go to John 10. We're going to spend a little time in John 10 here. This next one is so important. Um, and, and you're going to notice something. I'm just going to tell you the trick as we move forward so you don't have to work too hard to get it. Every single thing we're going to read, um, Jesus is going to say, uh, my sheep know my voice. My sheep follow me because they recognize my voice. I speak to my sheep and my sheep know my voice. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. That's what we're seeing, okay? And I'm going to tell you, Warfare 101, you can't even get started in winning anything if you're not a sheep that hears his voice. It's the only thing that overcomes the enemy. Because I'm going to tell you this, the enemy's voice is screaming into your world. And the more, the closer you get to the center of God's plans for your life, the more you're starting to step into the very real things that God wants you to be powerful in, the enemy's voice will get louder. And I'll tell you something, if you're not not in touch with the voice of the king who calls you, um, you're really in trouble. That's warfare. That's warfare 101. The voice of the king overcomes everything. (laughs) That's why I love her.
<laughs> okay, here in um, chapter 10 it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You see, it's a warfare passage. It goes and says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep, listen, here it is, the sheep hear his voice. Go ahead and say, I hear his voice. Go ahead and believe it while you say it. It's okay to, and then it goes on and says, and he calls his own sheep by name. Go ahead and say, he calls my name. And he leads them out. Now, isn't that weird? He leads them out. <laughs> we really want to have a Christianity where we're in the sheepfold and, and it's a safe place. I got my Bible and it's nice in here, you know. But he wants to call you out to where, um, you don't, unless you've got a pocket version, you're out there doing stuff and you're, you're, you're one of the sheep that hears the voice. Amen? I mean, I'm not saying study your Bible. Don't, I mean, it's a blessing to know the Word of God that's in here. But that's not, that's not the whole of, of uh, the calling, the great calling of God filled with the Spirit to be a king, priest, and prophet for the living God is not in your pocket Bible that you take with you or whatever. It says that he calls your name and he leads you out, out where it's a little dangerous and there's things to be done. What do you say? Acts 29. <laughs> go study that. And go to Max's um, Sunday school. Okay, where am I? And it says, uh, it says, and when, he, here it is, and when he brings his own sheep, he goes before them. I hope those are familiar words for you. How many times from Genesis to Revelations or whatever, in the narrative of Scripture, does it say, don't be afraid because I go before you? You see, why do the sheep follow him? Why do we follow him? Because we recognize his voice. This is a discernment passage. In fact, let me just read on before I do that. It goes on and says, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Go ahead and agree with him. I know his voice. I recognize his voice. It's okay if you're sitting there going, I'm not sure that's true. It's okay. It's about to be true because you just agreed with him. <laughs> In verse 5 it says, now here it is, but, but yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Do you understand you're reading about, about warfare discernment? All kinds of voices. Do you know that it's easier to agree with the voice of an enemy than it is to, to agree with the voice of your God? Come on, you know. Um, let me give an example. Did I write one down here? Well, I'll give you an example. I was, this happens to me almost every week. I'm, I'm preparing for a message, and, and I'll kind of get to where I'm kind of like, yes, I, I hear that. I'm receiving this message, and th this is so good. I know you want to say this, Lord. And I'll, I'll finally get to the point where I'm literally worshiping. I'm literally going, thank you, God, for such an incredible message. This is so good. And then I'll stand up, and I, can't, I don't even walk all the way across the room, and there's another voice going, you don't think the people heard that before? And I'm going, 
<laughs> I'm starting to get used to it where I'm like, you know, every thought you have is not your own. There's a warfare. And it's, it's way, it's actually harder for me. Now I'm growing, I'm getting better all the time. But it's harder for me to believe, to believe in the blessing of God over something than is, boy, you just give me a thought like, um, that message is a little scattered. And I'm like, oh no, I better start over, right? It's so easy to to believe the negative. You can have 10 people as the voice of God come and recognize spiritual gifts in you, tell you how beautiful you are, how, how they saw the power of God working through you, and, and then you can have one person come and tell you something critical about you, and you'll believe that one and be consumed in it for the next week. Is that the truth? That's warfare. <laughs> That's warfare. Seeds are planted. Okay, um, all right, go with me to actually same chapter. And I want you just to go down to John 10, um, 6. Actually, that's where we're at. <laughs> it goes on. So I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. This is Jesus going, um, wow, they didn't catch it the first time. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. <laughs> that's what this is. So... Um, it goes on, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now here it is again, listen. And will go in and out and find pasture. In and out. And then verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let's go to um, verse 14. In fact, your assignment is this week, go read John chapter 10. And go to verse 14 with me now. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And I'm known by my own. Okay, it's a knowing. You know his voice. Why do you follow him? Because you know his voice. You hear his voice, and you know his voice. You recognize it, and so therefore you follow him. The enemy's going to try to have a voice in your life. And as we continue forward in this series, you're going to get better and better and better at recognizing every time it's the enemy, and you're going to say, I don't agree with you. <laughs> right? I agree with God. I don't agree with that voice. I don't agree with that thought. In fact, I got to go back. Colossians. What did it say? It said, and put on the new man. What's the new man? Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. In other words, agree with your maker. That's the new man. The new man is a man that's powerful enough to agree with your maker. <laughs> Are you just tired of it? Are you ready to agree with the maker? <laughs> that's warfare. You're winning if you just agree with him and if you just disagree with the thoughts of your enemy. You're beginning to be a warrior. Okay. 
Go down to, we're just going to keep going, John 10. Go down to verse um, 22. And we'll start, we'll begin wrapping up. Here it says, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. I'm going to leave that alone. You could teach on that sentence right there. (laughs) I'll leave that alone. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Okay, there it is. You know what Solomon's porch was? This was the place where all of the, the wealthy and the Pharisees and the scribes would rub elbows and they would debate the scriptures and, and have all kinds of theories. And of course, they, they didn't even really know God, but they would spend all of their time debating the scriptures. They, essentially, they worshiped the scriptures, okay, on Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him that's Jesus, and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly, they say to him, tell us plainly. And so Jesus in verse 25 answers and says, I told you and you do not believe. In other words, what's he saying? I tell you plainly. (laughs) I've been telling you plainly and you don't believe. And then not only that, not only does he tell them plainly, it goes on and he says, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So I not only tell you, I show you. I manifest the kingdom. Same calling on your life, right? To manifest a victory that's already true, it's your job to share in the joy and blessing of manifesting that truth in your physical, in your life right now. That's the calling on your life. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I not only tell you plainly, I manifest it plainly. And he says, but you do not believe. Why? Because you're not of my sheep. That easy. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. Is that starting to ring a bell? (laughs) And I know them and they follow me. Sounds familiar. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone search them out of my hand, uh, snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. You see, we just, um, Warfare 101, we just, we have to, Um, become a people that believe that you hear his voice that's it that's warfare that's that's got to be the starting block that's warfare 101 Um, do you know that God is speaking forth words over you love words he is affirming you in love Every day, I'm just going to tell you, I know him well. I happen to know him. I'm good friends with him. So I can tell you that from the time you get up until the time you go to bed, he's speaking love words to you. The enemy tries to immediately come and snatch. You see, he speaks a love word and the enemy comes comes and says not true and tries to take it. He's speaking power words over you. In other words, plans. He's speaking things over you. He's taken you places. Do you believe that? Say he's taken me places. 
He is. He's speaking words over you. And it, it looks like um, next week, now, you know what? We're going to do this. Um, go with me to Matthew 13 um, and verse 18. This is the parable of the sower. Okay? It just makes sense to do this. We need to do this. Okay, so you understand that the parable of the, the parable of the sower, sowing the seeds, right? The seeds are the word of God. Jesus is actually very clear about that, even in his explanation right, right here. The seeds are the word of God. Now, and we also tend to look at it like you, you already know, you've heard this parable enough that you know there's going to be like categories of what happens when the seed is sown in different places. Okay, we tend to look at that and say that that's like four different types of people. Well, one person is the stony ground and another person is the wayside, right? Um, I want to tell you that you're all of them. Okay, the, the parable is about you and God is sowing seeds. He's sowing his word into your life. And depending on what that word is or what, what aspect of your life or depending on what wounds you bring to the equation that you need him to heal or what lies you carry. In other words, listen to this. Okay, do you know that when the enemy speaks words, it does, every thought is not your own? It doesn't necessarily, it starts as his thought, okay? But do you know that you can agree enough that it can become your own thought? The enemy can tell you that you're ugly and that you're ugly and then he can use the mouth of a person to tell you that you're ugly and then eventually it can become your own thought. You can begin to think I'm ugly, Right? I don't know why I just told you that. But, um, but so this parable is about sometimes where it lands. These are all diff these are different places in you concerning the word of God. Okay? And here in verse 18 it says, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. Now I've jumped right to the explanation for time's sake, but he retells the whole parable, so it's okay. And he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away. Wicked one comes, that's how it says it, snatches away what was sown in his heart. That is he who received it by the wayside. Now listen, this is what I was talking about a minute ago. All day long, words of God, the love of God, the plans of God, the direction of God is being spoken into your life. It's just kind of as you go along. It's by the wayside, okay? And... And the enemy, what this just told you is not just that you're like too busy and you move on past it. I want you to notice this literally says that the wicked one comes and snatches it away. Do you see that? It goes on and says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Okay, so this time you're able to receive it. With joy, you've even got some enthusiasm here, okay? And yet he has no root in himself of the word and immediately he stumbles. Now listen, and it says, now he, oh wait, did I skip something? He has no root in himself. I'm sorry, I skipped. He has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Why? For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now I'm going to break this down really quick. 
But I want you to hear this. Each time you hear this, you're hearing a different strategy of the enemy in progression over the words of God being spoken into your life. Okay? It's a different strategy. What's the first strategy? Grab it quick, right? God speaks a word that you feel the love of God. You walk out in the parking lot after the service and the sunlight hits your face and you can just hear God saying, I love you. And instantly the enemy is going is to try to snatch. That's strategy one. Snatch it quick. <laughs> strategy two is a stony place where what's he going to do? He's going to bring um, tribulation and persecution, hardship against the word that was just spoken into your life, right? That's strategy two. And I, and I looked this up. So, right, so um, tribulation is um, pressure. It literally translates as pressure. The enemy's going to come and, and bring pressure over that word of God that's spoken over your life. You're going to be jamming, you're going to be doing good, and then all of a sudden it's, it's going to turn out, you're going to feel a little bit of burden over the word, and it's not going well. And look, and I, I looked up persecution, and it, in the original language, it means persecution. <laughs> and in other words, um, the enemy is going to begin. You know, persecution comes from other people. Persecution over holding the truth. But I want to tell you something. The greatest persecution comes from right within inside your own thought life. The enemy speaking straight directly at you. He, he begins persecution. Did you know that? I was going to look at it, and we really won't have time, but there are places where it tells us the enemy dresses himself up as an angel of light in order to bring this warfare that we're reading about against you. He dresses up as an angel of light. If, if he can make you think that he's the voice of reason or the voice of intelligence or maybe even make you think he's the voice of God, let me tell you the most dangerous one. You know the most dangerous one is if he can dress himself up as the voice of you. Do you know the, there's, if there's one thing you can't war against, it's yourself? You know, it's like, okay, so if I have a thought, um, the, the enemy gives me a thought that, oh, I am so not ready for this this morning or whatever. I can't go, that's it, you're out of here, I'm throwing you out. <laughs> you can't do that, right? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to disagree. There's one person you're always going to agree with, yourself, <laughs> right? And, and the enemy warfare is that way. It's very clear. In fact, we'll probably we'll look at it next week. It's one strategy of the enemy to war against you by showing up as you. And all he's got to do is get you to agree with his voice and, and think that it's your original thought and you're right and you're sunk. And the, see, that's Colossians 3. You take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And that is the victory of the warfare. You take every thought captive into, not just Christ, into the obedience of Christ. I want to tell you, you really want to, you really want to stomp on the enemy and win? Actively war <laughs> against the warfare. In other words, you get a negative thought. He says, you're not capable of do, to do this. Go and do it. <laughs> just believe in God agree with God that, that grab anything you want grab something I can do all things through him who strengthens me I'm going to go do that just despite you <laughs> just because you say that I can't I'm not going to get into a mode where I believe the, that voice of the enemy that's warfare okay 
the voice of God. Okay, and then I'll do this really quick. The, the third one is thorns, okay? And this, this last strategy of the enemy is to use the cares of the world. It says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now, you'll notice a progression here. One is that word kind of spoken in passing. Another one is a word that you have to, you're persevering with it. And now we've gotten all the way to a discussion of fruitfulness. Okay? Now this is a word that you've received and, and you've got this word and you've been carrying it for a while. So what's the enemy got left? He's got one last thing he can try to do. He can at least try to make it so that you're not fruitful with it. Choke it out. Make you busy. Push it aside. He can keep you from being fruitful, right? And it concludes by saying, but he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, I want you to just notice something and I'll start wrapping up. Um, do you see the progression in that last part, in the good ground? You hear it, you understand it, which is actually a more comprehensive word. It kind of means um, you're able to have that word become a part of you. You're able to believe it in an active way. You hear it, you understand it, and you bear. You bear fruit. That's the progression, okay? The enemy has attacks in your thought life, in your life that he's, he's all prepared that he can execute all along that progression. I don't put that out there because we're concerned about that. It's just we're not naive of it and we're sheep who hear his voice. 101 is you have got to start believing that you hear his voice. Let's say it again. I hear his voice and I understand it. Okay, you just agreed with him. Get ready for him to talk to you today. And tomorrow, because you just agreed with him. Now, I know that for many of you, that's been shut down. At some point in our lives, you know, we, we get stomped on and we get wounded and, and things happen and we start to shut that down. We start to close off the door to that voice. Because somewhere in the process of this parable of the sower and in the process of living our life, God speaks a word and the enemy succeeds in making us agree with the enemy or bringing things against it so we start to doubt the word of God. Or it's painful to listen to his voice because you're afraid just one more time. What if I listen to him and it doesn't go the way I think it should? Or I pay the price and it never seems to produce a crop of fruit. And these kinds of things begin to, to speak where we start to shut that voice down. Now listen, you just agreed with him. So um, brace yourself. I do firmly believe that you just did something powerful and real in the spiritual world. When you agree with him, you give him permission. You invite your loving Father and your Savior Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come and begin to speak powerfully again, to restore the voice in your life so that you have a conversation with him, so that you can accept the love instead of he speaks love and the enemy steals it. And he speaks love and the enemy steals it. <laughs> it's done in the name of Jesus. He's speaking. You're a sheep that hears his voice. 
And you just keep agreeing with him. I hear his voice. I don't have any trouble understanding the voice of Jesus. In fact, I'm a sheep that very well recognizes and understands the voice of my king. I had a lot of good stuff here. Um, You know what? I'm just going to close with this and I'm going to pray for you. I'm just going to tell you one last thing. Yes, Max. Can we what? Go to war? Go to war? Yeah. Let me make this last point. Well, let's, I'll find out what you mean. <laughs> See, the enemy just spoke some voices into my head and I said, I don't agree with that. I know Max hears from God. I agree with that. <laughs> But I want to tell you this. You know, I want to give you a litmus test because you have voices screaming at you all the time. Do you want to become someone that can tell every single time if the thought you're having is the truth or not? <laughs> that was a heartfelt yes. That's good stuff. I'm going to give you a trick so you can do it accurately every time. Do you believe me? Okay. Here it is. Are you ready? If it doesn't set you free, it's not the truth. That's it. The word of God says, um, if you are my disciples, you will abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth only sets free. Listen to me. If it's condemning rather than freeing, it's not the truth. If it pulls you down rather than exalts you into being a confident temple of the Holy Spirit, then it's not the truth. If it doesn't make you more of a carrier of the glory and the power of God, then it's not the truth. Jesus is the person of truth. Those are the only things that he does. And you can weigh it that way every time. You'll have a thought. And if you just start asking yourself, does that free me? <laughs> Does that free me to be the powerful, beautiful me that, that, that my maker? I agree with my maker. Other voices I don't agree with. Sit down and, um, and let me do something really quick. One more thing. Um, you understand strongholds. I was going to teach on them next week. Strongholds are what I was talking about. That's where um, a body a group, an individual, just you, have agreed enough with the enemy that you've made a nice little place for the enemy to live in, a fortress for the enemy to attack from. Strongholds were where we have, we have agreed enough with that evil voice that it becomes our own thought. That's a stronghold, okay? And we just, I believe we just tore some down. But I want to do something now. Okay, thank you, Max. Thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit. I want to do something. Just if you're comfortable with it, close your eyes and just relax. And I believe the Lord wants to do one more thing this morning. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. He's always there, but ask him to make his presence real to you. Come, Holy Spirit. Now ask the Holy Spirit to reveal one place in your 
own life where the enemy's voice has too much sway. Father God, I pray that right now you are exposing the voice of the enemy. You are exposing strongholds in them. You are bringing it to light. Okay, now if you want to, take that. You can even picture this if you want to. Take that voice of the enemy. Take that disgusting thing, that lie that's had too much power and just hold it out in your hand. Just offer it to Jesus and let him take it from you. And in the name of Jesus, I just declare that all these strongholds that were just broken and all these dark things, these lies and, uh, and voices that have no place in the lives of your sons and daughters, all these things that were just handed over to you, Lord, I pray that you would fill that place. Fill that place with words of love from you, with a filling of, of power and health and wholeness in the void that's left from where that was just taken from. I declare this is happening in the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.